Continuing with what we're talking about as far as the gift of doubt today, we're double dipping on Connect Group because they gave, both kind of cover the same issue. Uh, the word of the Lord tells us this about doubt in Hebrews 11. 1. I'm going to read two different translations to you primarily because the first one is the one that you're most familiar with. The word of the Lord says, now faith is a substance of things hoped for and it's an evidence of things not seen. If you have your Bible or the words are up there on the screen. Uh, we, you may have heard that if you grew up in church. If you didn't grow up in church, you may very well never heard that. But I do want to give you another, uh, it's another translation. It's the same verse, it's just put in a way that we can understand. Faith means this, being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we don't see it. Now it's kind of interesting how God, tells it, how God tells us what faith is like and he, he couches it within words that have to do with doubt. Uh, we understand a little bit about uh, how God's Word teaches us about faith because He tells us what doubt is. Uh, faith isn't just, you know, kind of hoping and cross your fingers that God comes through for you or, or, or with you. Uh, faith in God is different than that. Uh, the Cardinals, let's take, I'm going to use them as an example. They don't have a really good shot of making it to the playoffs. Can we agree with that? Uh, but there's a shot. Uh, in fact, if... if uh, if me and Kathy went and put $100 in Vegas and they won their, their, uh, their division, if we had $100, we'd get back 50000 because that's the odds, 50000 to 1. For them to pull off the World Series, you want to make a little bank, $100 will get you $100,000. So what you're saying is there's a shot, all right? We know it probably won't happen, but it could. It happened in 2006 with the Cardinals, 85 with the Royals, 59 with the Dodgers. 2010 with the Giants. It's not unprecedented. Something like that could happen, but it's not likely. It's not supposed to get in the 90s this week until like Friday, but you know what? It might. You know, I, I know better than to trust the weatherman. Uh, it could. But these are all things that we assume are going to be the way they are. They're, we, we, we have a really good belief in that. Uh, we know how things are going to go down probably. We know there's possibilities, but this is the way it will probably go. We're confident in some of these things, and, and we believe them strongly, but we're not 100% sure that, that that's the truth. We're not 100% sure that that's going to happen. Uh, when we talk about having faith in God, or I have faith in God, it's not the same type of faith that you would have in a baseball team, you hope they win. It's not the same type of faith that, that you would have that, oh, hopefully it won't get into the 90s this week. We don't think we will, but it, it might. Man, that's not the faith that we're talking about that we have in God. That's not what they would call saving faith. That's not uh, what, what you look for in a saving relationship with God. In fact, the faith that we're talking about when we deal with God is it's a faith that proves to our mind. It convinces our heart. It convinces our consciousness. It, it convinces our, our intellect uh, of the very thing that we're uncertain of. Let me tell you something. Faith and doubt are, are in my opinion, I think in a, in a real way, in a way that I can understand, faith and doubt are really on... They're two sides of the same coin. Faith and doubt are, are related, whether you, you want to admit it or not. Faith and doubt are those two sides of the same coin. They're inseparable. I'm going to let you know how I think I, I know that. You can have doubt without faith. 
You can have doubt without trust. You can have doubt with, without that. But church, faith only exists in the context of doubt. Faith only exists when there is something to question. So if, these, uh, if, if there isn't an option to believe, if there isn't an alternative to believe, if there's not a choice to believe in, how can you have faith in something or, or someone else? There has to be an alternative. There has to be another road. The Bible tells in the book of Hebrews 1.11, and I'm just going to read the verse again. Faith means this. It means you're being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something is real, even if we don't see it. Man, God's Word connects something with something we don't like. We don't like doubt. We don't like uncertainty. We like to know that, uh, we like to know that God's in control and knowing what He's doing. We like to trust God. We like to have faith in God. We don't like to doubt. We don't like uh, all those things. But when God, tries to, when God is explaining faith to us, He's using both aspects. He's saying this is faith, this is doubt, and understand what they are. Faith has to exist in the context of doubt. And last week we talked about that not all doubt's wrong. Some doubt's healthy. Questions are healthy. We're human. You, were made, you and I were made to question. You and I were, were made to explore. You and I were made to learn. You and I were made to, to, to ask those in, important inquiries. Uh, and at the heart of it, guys, doubt's not always a sin. Doubt's just at the heart of it, at the base level. It's just saying, man, I don't know. At the heart of doubt is saying, I don't understand. At the heart of doubt is, is simply saying, I don't have all the answers. So I'm going to ask questions. You know, when, when, when my kids were small, they'd ask Miss Pam and I, uh, they'd say, could we have a snack? They were asking us a question. They weren't questioning our authority. They weren't questioning who we were as their parents. They weren't questioning our experience. They said, man, can I have a treat? And the reason they asked if, we could ha- if, if they could have a treat from us is because they trusted we could give them a treat. So that's why they came to us. Y'all, when you go to God sometimes with a question, you're not there to, to, to rip on him. You're not there to get him in a trick box or disprove him. Sometimes when you ask God, you're, all you're doing is saying, God, I believe you've got some cookies and I would like to have some cookies. God, I believe that you've got something I need and if you wouldn't mind, I would really like to have it. Now that's asking God a question, but that's not doubt. You trust him. And that's why you go to him with the questions. Or you'll... Oh, man. Remember all the crazy questions kids ask you? I remember for like two years straight, my oldest son, Lake, he was fascinated with wolves. And I, we were trying to potty train. Ah, that's too much information. I don't need to tell you all that. But I remember sitting talking to him about wolves for, I don't know, hours. You know, what's the difference between a wolf and a dog? Can, we have, can I get a pet wolf? No, why can't I get a pet wolf? Try to explain that to a three-year-old. You know, why can't you have a wolf? When he was asking Pam and I these questions about wolves, he wasn't... He didn't question our authority. He didn't question. Uh, he wouldn't question who we were as his parents. He, he wasn't questioning us to try to trick us. He was saying, "You guys know something I don't. You guys have information that I don't have. You guys have knowledge that that has escaped me so far in my my young three year old life. So I'm going to go to you to ask questions, man. Sometimes when you go to ask questions about God, it's just like basically saying, "How come I can't have a wolf for a pet?" We ask God because He's the expert. He can tell us why we can't have a wolf in the backyard. 
We go to God because we trust Him. Miss Pam came home this week and she told me a beautiful little story. She goes down to her classroom. She has to walk down a flight of stairs and she's there with all these beautiful children. And the first time they've met each other and they lie uh, eyes on each other, some of these little uh, brown-haired and brown-eyed children come up and she said, Mike, there was this little boy came up and just took my hand. I never knew him before, but he held my hand all the way from upstairs all the way downstairs to my classroom. And I thought, man, that's cool. The reason why that little kid did that, although he did not know Miss Pam, he trusted her. I don't know who you are, lady, but I trust you. You look like you know what you're doing. Y'all, sometimes we just have to put our hands in God's hands, you know, our hands in God's hands and say, hey God, I, I, this is my first day here. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never been in this situation. Do you mind if I just hold your hand because I trust you? That's the type of faith we're talking about when we look at the faith in God that we're looking at today. When you ask your question, lots of times it's just a simple question of, of wanting to know. It's a question of wanting to know and I, uh, uh, how to understand or you need something. Man, imagine, imagine you're standing at the base of this incredible mountain. Man, the peaks go up as high as the sky and the, the place is beautiful. Man, there's so much mountain you can't even take it all in with your eyes. And that, let's say that mountain with all the peaks and all the trails and the dips and the valleys and all that. Let's say that that represents the holiness of God, the infiniteness of God, the, the awesomeness of God. Just how God has no beginning, no end. He's so much bigger than us and he's been around forever. He's got it down. Let's say that that is God. And we have, we have a desire inside of us. We have a desire to want to know Him, to know the deeper things of God, to know the heart of God. And so we get our little map out and we begin to, to, court our, uh, to chart our course to know this God that is immense. And we start off our journey with our little map in our hand. It's got, you know, go 200 yards, go 2 miles. It tells us everywhere to go to get to where we're going. In lots of ways, it's like the Bible. It kind of tells us where we're going. But that little map of ours is our desire to climb that mountain, to know God, to know Him in His fullness. We start off strong. We start off with small paths, easy paths. We're on the bunny trail. We stick to the places that we're used to. Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. Yeah, there you go. How's that? But we stick around the places that we're aware of. We feel comfortable. We feel confident. We don't really need a whole lot. But you know, we get to a place there on the journey on this mountain, and there's a, there's a turn on our path that's not on the map. Or maybe there is a road that's been closed. Or maybe there is a crevasse between where we are now and where we need to be. But it's not on the map. It's not on the map, so we get confused and, and we get a little bit bewildered. And the map represents our desire to get clear-cut answers and to get a, a concrete understanding of God. We want to know all the things of God, so we start strong. But the higher we get, we encounter twists and turns the map didn't show for. Mike, what's that mean for me? Well, maybe you got a divorce you didn't see coming. Maybe you got fired from your job and you didn't see it coming either. Maybe you raise kids in the fear and admonition and love of God and they get to be a teenager and they tell you, I don't believe in that anymore. Maybe the turn that you didn't see coming was the loss of a parent or a grandparent. Maybe the loss you didn't see coming was cancer. Maybe it was addiction. Maybe it was a relapse. You didn't see it coming, but man, there it is in your life. 
And the trails get less defined. And, and now you've been walking on this journey trying to get up this mountain for years. And now even though you're further along than you were, the mountain looks bigger now than what it even did in the beginning. The greatness of God. The bigness of God. The things you can't understand of God. And as long as we have those, we're going to struggle. But not only on this, on this mountain do we have a map that's not always doesn't always tell us the turns we're going to go in. We've got these glasses. And these glasses, they're climbing glasses, okay? And they're, they're supposed to help us and whatnot, but these glasses, as we're wearing these glasses while we're on this journey, uh, the glasses aren't, aren't our prescription. In fact, sometimes when you look down, the, the edge is a whole lot closer than what you thought it was. They throw off your vision. It's distorted. These things are wonky. And so when I look, I don't always see what's accurate. When I look, I, I don't really see the things that are actually there. But here's the thing. These glasses are what's throwing me off. Well, preach what's that on my journey up to this mountain. This is, a, this is our sin. Our sin throws everything off in our life. It makes us look at our relationships weird. It makes us look at our family weird, our job weird, our money weird, our personalities weird, our individuality weird. It makes us look at all things weird. And here's the thing, we're trying to climb up this incredible mountain that's dangerous and steep. But these glasses aren't letting us see the trail right. Our sin messes up our perspective of everything in our life. Everything from our family to our finances. And as long as we have these on, almost no matter what we do, we can't get clear information. We can't get clear direction. We can't get clear instruction. And as long as we have them on, we don't get the answers. What we want is we want a nice, tidy GPS map on where we're going. We don't want any surprises. We want to know all the answers. We want to have all of our questions answered. But man, that's not the way it goes all the time. This means, I want you to remember what faith means. It means being sure the things hoped for and knowing that something is real even if you don't see it. Remember that faith is the response Christians can use to battle doubt. Well, Mike, what's that look like? That sounds like preacher talk. How does my faith overcome my doubt? What's that look like? Well, you need to know this. Even if faith overcomes your doubt, it's not going to answer all your questions. If faith overcomes doubt, it doesn't mean you won't have any fears. It doesn't mean you won't have any. It doesn't mean that you will, you'll have everything you need or all those things that you're asking for from God to understand. Uh, that looks like this. It means that you may not understand everything. You may not have all the right answers. You, you wonder how you got down this road and you're reminded about your glasses. But no matter what, your faith tells you, yeah, you're in a bad spot, but ain't God good. Yeah, you got bad news at the doctor, but the good news is you've still got God. Our faith convinces our mind, our intellect, our emotions, our soul that God is real. And sometimes our doubts and our questions will take us down a path that we never should have went down. A path where we challenge God. A path where we try to seek to disprove God or we try to prove that His Word isn't accurate. And I'm going to tell you why people do that. I'm going to tell you why people try to disprove the Word of God. Because if they can think that the Word of God is false and inaccurate, they don't have to follow it. That's right. And if you don't have to follow it, you're not held accountable for it. But let me tell you something, guys. At the end of the day, you and I are not the editor of God's Word. That's true. We're not. His Word changes us and transforms us. 
His word, y'all, is, is, that, is that thing that makes us go to the next level. It helps us overcome uh, our doubt. Last week, uh, uh, we talked about doubt at the Garden of Eden. This kind of doubt of questioning God, it has faith in it. But when you doubt God, it does have faith in it, but the faith is not in God, the faith is in you. God, I, I know what you said about marriage, but I don't think you're right. I'm going to have to leave this chick. God, I know what you said about raising children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, but I'm just going to let my children get old enough to make their own decision. Good luck with that, because I can tell you what they'll choose. Because the world's been trying to indoctrinate them since they could crawl. It always freaks me out when parents say that. You don't give them a choice to take a bath. We get in this mindset and somehow we think we know all the answers and we can get around God. But church, we can't. We talked about Adam and Eve bringing sin to the garden paradise last week with eating one, uh, one fruit from the tree that God said don't eat from. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what they did is they basically said, okay God, we know what you said, but we're going to do our own thing. We're going to do what we think is right. We think you're wrong. We think you're old-fashioned. You're, uh, you're out of style. We're going to go ahead and eat this. What they were basically saying is, God, you know what? We're... We're going to be our own God. We're going to call the shots. We know what you said. Don't eat from the tree. But I don't know. I think we can eat of it. I think we can just go ahead and I think things will be okay. Their doubt in God was based on a lie from the devil. So instead of trusting the God of the universe, they exercised faith in themselves. Their way was best compared to doing what God had said. Church, uh, they were more sure of their uncertainty than they were sure of God. Craziness. And I want you to think about this. Can you imagine what it says about us when we say, God, we know what you said. We know that you've been around forever. You've got no beginning and no end. You are self-sufficient. You've never had to pull over for a rest stop. Everything you've got, you've made. You, are, you, you have no need. But I think you're wrong on this. I know you're smart, God. I know that everything is yours. And I know that you're omnipotent. But I think you're wrong on this. Can you imagine how much pride you've got to, we've got to have in ourselves to say, God, you're wrong, I'm right? And that's what happens. I want you to consider this. An atheist is somebody who doesn't believe in God. They don't believe in a God that moves in their lives or affects their lives in any way. To them, the idea of God, it doesn't affect them at all. They don't believe. You, if you're here today or you're watching us online, you probably believe in God. But here's the thing, you may believe in God, you believe the facts of God, you believe that God sent His only begotten Son to die on your behalf on a cross so you could spend forever with Him and to have a full and meaningful life right now. You believe all that, but you never, but you never go in for the power, you never go in for the relationship, you never go in for the anointing, you never go in for the healing, you never go in for the deliverance. Oh, but I believe God. But I don't engage in the community of faith. I don't exercise uh, faithful giving. I, I don't read my Bible. I don't pray. But I believe God. Y'all, that's sort of like kind of believing in the cardinals. If that's your faith. Preach, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm saying an atheist doesn't believe in God, so there's no God to interact in their life. I think that there are some Christians out there who are just basically believing atheists. They are pragmatic atheists. They believe in God, but you sure couldn't tell in their life. Hasn't changed them, hasn't changed they walk, the way they talk, the way they live, the way they spend. It doesn't change anything about them. You believe, but you don't live your life anywhere close to where God wants uh, you to be living in the direction of your life. Oh, preacher, I don't know about that. That sounds like a bunch of bull. Man, the Bible tells us this in the book of James. You believe there is one God. 
thou doest well. The demons also believe, and what, they do, what do they do? Bible's telling us that the demons believe the same stuff we do. They believe in one God. They believe that God sent His Son to die on a cross. They believe in the resurrection. They believe, they believe it all. And here's the thing. The demons probably understand it in a way that you and I can't. They were there to see it all go down, okay? The demons were there when Satan threw his legendary rager on the day of the crucifixion because he'd killed God's son, okay? And then they were there to clean up the pieces three days later when, praise God, the son walked out of the grave. Those demons were there. They saw that firsthand. You and I accept it by faith. They accepted it by sight. They lived it. The Bible says, you believe in one God, great. The demons also believe and they tremble. Big whoop. So man, what's the difference? If a demon believes in the same God I do, the same Savior that I do, the same authority of the Word of God as I do, they believe in the same, uh, they, they believe in Yahweh the same way I do. So what's the difference? If we share a same theology, if we share a same thing, then, then how come I'm going to heaven and a demon is irredeemable? A demon can't be forgiven. A demon can't know glory. A, king, a, a demon can't know God. So, so what's the difference? Glad you asked. Ephesians 2.8 For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. That's kind of what we're talking about. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. You can't get baptized enough. You can't be good enough. You can't do nothing to earn it. So no one can boast. Now here's your money shot in verse 10. How is our belief different than that of demons? Check this out, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship. For we are created in Christ Jesus. We're saved in Jesus to do good works. Which God has prepared in advance for us to do. There it is. And you'll miss it if you're not looking for it. I mean, it'll go right by and you won't even know that it was there. What the difference is between your faith and the faith of a demon is this. Your faith in God has allowed God to change you. Created for His workmanship. To do good works for the kingdom of God. It's a belief that has transformed you as a person. And by the way, uh, one preacher once, one time said, The only part of the Bible you believe is the part that you do. The part that you live. Church. Faith is belief that has led to action. A change of a course correction. Faith is a belief that changes your life decisions, your career path. Faith is something that will change who you marry. Now faith might cost you some relationships. It might cost you a career. It might set you out. And your faith in God may not make sense to other people. But church, there's not a lot of difference in the content from what a demon believes and what we believe if there's no transformation. Just as that little kid looks to her mom or her dad for motivation or input or direction or advice. Y'all, we go to our Heavenly Father. We say, God, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all my doubts filled. But I know that you're God. And God, I trust you. So I'm just going to put my questions in your hand. And I'm going to put my hand in your hand. And Lord, we're just going to walk together. Now notice, you still got doubts and you still got questions. Can I tell you something? God has totally used people with doubts and questions throughout the entirety of human history. Doubters welcome. 
Man, you look through Scripture, there are dump truck full loads of doubters. And we talked about those on Wednesday night. Pam, if I could uh, get you and Kelly to come up. Y'all, at the end of the day, there are things about God that are just way too stinking big for us to get. There's no way we can understand Him. There's no way we can know Him. God is just so big, y'all. There's just things about Him. that There are going to be parts of that mountain we don't see. There's going to be valleys we, we, we never lay eyes on. There's going to be cliffs that we, we can't even understand. But y'all, why do we forget that the reason why we're so far on this journey that we're already on is that because God's already been good to us yesterday. We're as far as we are right now still standing because God's been good to us. He's the reason we live. He's brought us through the flood. He took us through the exodus. He's brought us through the Red Sea. He's brought us through the wilderness. He's brought us into the promised land. His Son has been sent to die on the cross so we could be redeemed, restored, and set free. Church, He saved you, my friend. He's been good to you. Think about the abuse that you endured. But man, you're still here. Think about the divorce you thought was going to eat you alive, but you're still here. Think about the addiction that you used to wrestle with. But praise God, you're now in recovery. He got you there. Think about the job you used to want, but now it belongs to you. Thank God for the blessing of yesterday. Hey, you know what? The job you're looking for is right around the corner. He's going to bless you. Or maybe it's a healing. Maybe you struggled with cancer, but today you stand in this church cancer free. Maybe you thought there was no way there would ever be a relationship between you and your children again, but there is man don't forget how far God's brought you on this journey in fact the word of the Lord says in Numbers 15 41 I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that I might be your God and I am the Lord your God church remember the storms that God's brought you through the trauma you survived the abuse you endured the pain you carried the embarrassment you didn't think you'd live through but you better wake up and tell the enemy you tried to take me down but by God's grace I'm still standing Man, that's faith. That's the faith we're talking about. Your friends may have dropped you. Your company may have fired you. Your spouse may have left you. You have a loss that gutted you. But by the grace of God, you're still here. Y'all, faith isn't the ability to believe long and far into the mystic future. Let's go back to that mountain real quick. You got one more tool on that mountain. You've got your faith. And that faith in the flood light, it doesn't, it doesn't light up the side of a mountain. It doesn't just cast all shadows of fear. But man, you notice that light, wherever it goes, you can see where to walk. Something else you know about your light is that the darker the place is, brighter your light shines the darker the valley the more your faith lights up that that path along your journey you see other people sitting there and they're just scared to death their little lights on the floor and all they can do is sit there and look around at all the shadows and they're scared, they're locked, they're paralyzed in fear. And they're not moving nowhere. They're not going to know more of that mountain. They're not going to reach that peak. They're not going to reach that summit. They're not going to experience the beauty of what it's like to be up there because they're scared to death. And they just don't move. 
Don't want to get hurt. You, however, decide to take your faith and say, Lord, I don't understand what's on that side or on my side, but this direction you want me to go, I'm just going to put one step ahead of each other, and I'm going to trust you to take the next step. You see, guys, your faith isn't looking way off into the misty future. It's taking God's word into the middle of a world that is broken and torn up by sin. But you take your Savior at his word and say, Lord, one day at a time, one step at a time, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you through this cancer. I'm going to follow you through this divorce. I'm going to follow you through this arrest. I'm going to follow you through this addiction. I'm going to follow you through this getting fired. I'm going to follow you even though I don't have enough money to pay my bills. I'm going to follow you. We serve a God who said, man, don't forget that I brought you through the exodus. I brought you through the flood. Don't think I'm not going to bring you through what you're going in through right now, baby boy. You may, not, you may not see me, but Mike, I see you. Sherry, you may not see me, but I see you. Bill, you may not see me, but I see you. Lord, I'm just going to trust you on that. And I'm going to keep walking. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Today, maybe you've let your lantern fall out of your hand and you're just paralyzed with fear in your life. You need to pick that joker up and you need to get walking back on the trail. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're on the wrong trail this morning. Maybe you're in a place and your doubt's just about dried up. Your hope's just about finished. Church, we serve a God who's a hope dealer. If you ain't finding no hope on your trail, you might be on the wrong trail. And if you're on the wrong trail, throw up your hand and say, Hey God, I need some help down here. Baby boy or baby girl got lost. Maybe today you've had a sudden realization, an epiphany if you will. That maybe there ain't just a whole lot of difference between what a demon believes and what you believe. Because you look at the evidence in your life and you look for evidence of transformation. You look for evidence of change and maybe it just ain't there. If it is, it's just real small. Man, I ain't saying you're lost. I ain't saying that ain't my job. I can't do that. I wouldn't do that. That ain't me. But I do want you to examine the trail you're on because I love you enough to let you know that Jesus changes you. Jesus changes you. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to please stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want to talk to you just, just for about 30 more seconds, and I'm going to open up the invitation. Brother or sister, you're here today, and you struggled with doubt, and you struggled with self-defeat, and you struggled with self-defeatist uh, cognitive thinking. You had, you've just beaten yourself down. Hey. Pick back up your flashlight. Look at the mountain and realize that the mountain is calling you. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. But he's still God. And he's still your daddy. And you're still his child. For some of you, it's just it's time to get back on the trail. 
it's time to get moving again. Maybe you've been struggling with abuse. Maybe you've been struggling with things in your mind that just simply need to be released today in the name of Jesus. You need to leave them alone because they're not, <laughs> they're not welcome on the journey of faith that you're on. So my dear friends, in a moment, maybe you just need to come forward and just get some things right with God in the area of doubt in your life. This invitation is yours. Almighty God, I pray that you would bless those, that you would touch those, that you would transform those who are about to make a decision to dedicate themselves to you, their thinking to you, their faith to you, their hope, their trust, confidence, and assurance in your ability, Lord God. I pray that you would bless them right now with a supernatural anointing anointing and amount of, of strength into their faith, Lord God. Let there be an effusion of power into their faith this morning. And I ask this in the precious name of Jesus as we sing. Would you come? I won't forget. Invitation's yours. Would you come? It wouldn't take long. Maybe you just come forward and take a knee and say, Lord, I'm coming home today. Lord, I'm coming home today. This invitation's yours. Lord's calling you. Would you come? something in this world you've either placed your faith in money or faith in finances or faith in yourself or your intellect or you've placed your faith in God today would you give more of your faith to him make your faith more well placed in him increase your faith in him increase your trust in him but here's the thing some of you are here today you don't even know what I'm talking about because to you the idea of God is a dis- uh, is a distant abstract principle it's just an idea it's not personal church here's the amazing thing man if you're walking with god you don't see him as some dusty old book full of facts you see him as a friend you see him as a brother you see him as a father you see him as one that sticks closer than a brother it's not just some academic thing up on a shelf you couldn't make it through one day without him man that's the difference between the relationship between those who have doubting doubt and those who have saving faith Today, if you've never given your life to Jesus, do not leave this place here without Him. Because here's the thing. Not only do, if you don't leave this place with Jesus, you don't just face Monday without Him. You face forever without Him. I want to give you an opportunity to surrender to Jesus today. Start your journey up that mountain. Every head bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to walk you through a prayer. If you mean it in your heart, God will hear you. You confess your sin today to Jesus. He'll forgive it. You ask today to be admitted into the family of God. You'll be admitted. It's open, regist- it's open registration this morning for the kingdom of God. Dear God, I am a sinner. 
I've got hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And I know I need you, Father. Jesus, I know I need you. You are God. You died on the cross in my place. You rose again from the grave and you're coming back. I profess you today as my Savior with my mouth. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And because you live, so will I. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me of my sins by the power of the blood of Calvary. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And I want to live for you. And I want to walk different. I want to be transformed by you. I want to be renewed in my spirit. Now today, if you've given your heart to Jesus for the first time, welcome to the journey and welcome to the family. Maybe today you said that prayer is a reaffirmation of your faith and you're re-uptaking your journey today. Man, if you're starting the next phase of who you are in Christ, if you're starting your next leg of the journey, if you're starting your next part of the trip, I'm just going to encourage you today. In the last little moments that we sing this song, maybe you could just come up to an altar for five, ten seconds. Say, Lord, here I am. Let's go. Here I am. Let's go. Let's grow together, Lord. Let's increase my faith. Who would do that this morning? This invitation is... Start with the chorus. Would you come?